It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. Welcome, everybody, to the Lockdown Bengals podcast, your Bengals podcast on the Lockdown Network. We are your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Liskow. Today, the Bengals held their press conference for introducing Zach Taylor as their next head coach. We'll talk about that. We'll, we got to hear from Mike Brown and a little bit of Duke Tobin also. Uh, we'll go over some of the things that Taylor said that we both found interesting. And we'll close it with looking on the defensive side of the ball as, as coaching Rumors are heating up, and it sounds like some guys are signing on. We still are left in the dark on the defensive side, so we'll get into that and talk about that and the importance of it. Um, but first, we're starting with the press conference today, and some of the things we heard from Mike Brown and, and and Zach Taylor that I thought were interesting, and Jake also. We've got some things written down here that really, I think, were things we want to hear. And I, I expected to get the company line and you know, the coach speak from Zach Taylor, but there were a few things I wanted to hear personally. And I think they, they hit on most of them. And from Mike Brown, especially was saying how Duke Tobin led the search for the coaching staff, which I think signifies or at least strengthens the idea that we mostly all have that the GM is Duke Tobin. I mean, he, he directs the draft and the personnel and, and now it looks like the coaching staff also. And, that's the role a GM has in modern NFL. Even if he doesn't have the title, he is the de facto GM at this point. I also like that Brown was very consistent with the things that Taylor ended up saying were very, were the things that Brown led off with and, and talking about um, being energetic and open-minded, uh, up with the trends when he was describing Zach Taylor. And I also thought him speaking about the fans a few times were um, important because it shows that he's listening. I think when they, when Marvin was let go or they, they parted ways, there was some, you know, feeling that they heard the fans very clearly over the last month of the season, but also in hiring this young head coach, offensive minded coach that, that Brown said, you know, it's what they wanted in the, in the stadium, but it's also what he felt the players wanted and what the fans wanted. And he mentioned the fans feelings a few times. And I, for one of the criticisms for Mike Brown is that he doesn't listen to the fans or he doesn't care about the fans. But I think the way he spoke today um, probably lends to the opposite of that. And maybe that's new or maybe it's always been behind closed doors, but it's something that resonated with me. Jake, what did you have? I I heard a lot of the same things from Mike Brown. As Paul Daner pointed out, I think today on Twitter, Duke Tobin is the GM of the Cincinnati Bengals. And a lot of a lot of us and a lot of people, a lot of the uh, media members have used weaker language around Duke Tobin's role with the Bengals. He's essentially the GM. Is something Cat Terrell said today, and I told her, "You got to just go hardline like Paul did and say this guy's a GM. If you need a title, I don't know what to tell you, but he's been running the show for at least five years." Yeah. And we we got the supporting evidence for that today when Mike Brown said Duke is the one that headed this up. 
and he said, you know, they, they interviewed nine guys. And uh, he also kind of said, if you have questions about anything that we did with the coaching search, you can ask Duke. I'm not, you know, he obviously answered a couple of questions throughout the press conference, but he deflected those questions. He deferred those questions to Duke Tobin, which is nice to see. Even though we've known that Duke has been the guy, it's still nice to see. It's nice to get that, that confirmation. Yeah, I agree completely. And because of that, um, the Taylor hire feels strengthened. Not only did they say unanimously they thought he was the guy, but that Duke, and we, we talked about that yesterday. You mentioned, you brought it up how schematically they felt like they were on the same page between Tobin and Taylor. Um, and knowing that it was, it was ultimately Tobin that led it and, you know, pushed the, the, this hiring, I assumed, uh, makes me feel better about it going forward. And I think some of the things Taylor said, we've got some quotes to play from the press conference for you guys and a few key points that we'll go over and that I think stood out and, and, and some topics that I think we should all discuss and, and be aware of to see if we can hold them to those standards or, or, you know, create some energy and feel good about this team. And just before we get into those specific quotes, we're going to just give our general thoughts about the presser and what we learned about Zach Taylor from the way he presented himself to the media. I thought he brought an energy to the room that Marvin Lewis didn't bring at all. He seemed excited. I mean, maybe you got that from Marvin when he was new, right? But he's not giving the the thick coach, coach speak that we got used to from Marvin Lewis. He's talking about innovative ideas. He's reiterating a focus on culture, on accountability, on making players better. He's talking about positivity. He doesn't sound like an old school guy to me. Communication. Communication, yeah, another big point that he brought up frequently throughout throughout the press conference. He's, he's displaying for me some emotional awareness that I think is working for Sean McVay in Los Angeles. I think that's one of the lessons he took away from Sean McVay in Los Angeles. And if you look at what Sean had to say, during the Super Bowl, during his press conferences, during Super Bowl week, you, you see some of those same themes. So let's take a listen to what Zach Taylor had to say about his future coaching staff. As far as the coaching staff goes, you know, we're, we're currently assembling it right now. But what we're looking for are great teachers, uh, concise communicators, outside the box thinkers, and people who are, are not afraid to deviate from the norm. And so we're in the process of, of organizing a great coaching staff that you guys are going to be very proud of and the players are going to be excited to play for. And there's Taylor talking about rounding out this coaching staff and filling it up with forward thinkers, open-minded people, people that will adjust, you know, people we'll be proud of, um, which sounded great at the time during the press conference. And then within a couple hours, we got report from Paul Denner Jr., that uh, he expects the Bengals to hire Jim Turner as their offensive line coach. Turner, who spent time with Taylor in Cincinnati and Miami and worked under his father-in-law, uh, Mike Sherman, at Texas A&M, uh, has a background that w I wouldn't characterize as forward-thinking, progressive, and someone we should be proud of. Um, you'll read the reports. Basically, he was there with Jonathan Martin and Richie Incognito and that bullying fiasco in 2012-2013. Um, not only was he there for that, and the investigator concluded that Turner was involved in the bullying and making jokes and, and playing along with it, um, their offensive line was bad in Miami. 
Uh, Tannehill in 2013 was sacked 58 times, which is at the time 11th most in NFL history. They also ranked 23rd by pro football focus. Then he went to Texas A&M and was suspended in 2016. might have been before the 17th season, but he was suspended for making sexual jokes in a PowerPoint slide during a women's football clinic. Um, So this seems like a hire that is more of who you know rather than what Zach Taylor talked about. And to be honest with you, um, I think it kind of sucks, Jake. I don't know how you you feel about it, but I think when you preach these things and then within hours we find out you're hiring not the right guy but someone you know rather than someone we can be proud of um, and feel excited about, this is the first bad checkmark against the Zach Taylor era and it happened within a few hours. Yeah, it doesn't make me feel very good. It, it, it actually makes me a little bit sick when I read the slides that this guy had in a PowerPoint presentation that was, you know, a, a women's football camp. And, and it's not the first hire we've seen from Zach Taylor that somebody he's familiar with. The first of those was Brian Callahan, the son of the legendary and well-respected Bill Callahan, offensive line coach currently in Washington, who at the time we all thought, that just means that dad's coming to coach with, with son in Cincinnati and he's going to be the offensive line coach. And instead we get a guy that has a history of homophobia and a history of sexism and insensitivity and just a real ignorance to, to context. And, you know, it's two guys who he's familiar with from past experience. And that happens all the time in the NFL. So maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be jumping to a conclusion here that is, the easiest path, but neither of these hires feel very good anymore. Right. I agree. And, and mostly because I was cool with Brian Callahan coming because my sources as limited as they are told me to expect Bill Callahan. And the other one told me to, that it was happening. And I thought that makes sense. That's why you're bringing on the one for the other. Um, Bill is such a great old line coach and run game um, coordinator, really that this should be able at least one, one area of the offense they should be able to lean on early. And instead it went from um, that, which is, you know, one of the better O-line coaches in the league, if not, you know, top three kind of guy to somebody that you're going to have to defend the way we've had to do for so many Bengals players and not so much coaches, but Bengals players under the Marvin Lewis era, we've had to, you know, reason or, or balance our, our, fanhood with how we feel about that player on the team so now we've got a coach that reportedly it will enter that and and be one of those guys also but um moving on from that we do have more positive things to go over with Zach Taylor but that was the first one and, and one of the biggest messages he kept repeating throughout um his press conference and and why we felt we should touch on it first yeah and are we proud of this hire Joe are we fans proud of this hire I, I think we agree that that we're not Right. One other thing to mention here before we move on to the next quote, which incidentally is about the sort of positivity Zach Taylor plans to bring to Cincinnati. Ben Martin, another coach that Zach Taylor has prior contact with who he's bringing in, where he was also with that Dolphins program. Yeah. So looking at our next quotation that we want to talk about here from Zach Taylor's press conference, the power of positivity. We're going to have a positive outlook every day when we walk into this building. There's going to be positivity. Um, we want to encourage the guys. We're going to hold them to a high standard and hold them accountable when they don't do it the right way. But when they do, we, we, will, we will build them up and let them know that that's the way we want it done, and we appreciate their efforts. 
there we hear Zach Taylor talking about the power of positivity in the locker room. And it just makes me think about the quote from Paul Daner's piece today from McVeigh during the Super Bowl press conferences. Everything goes back to relationships. That's the foundation of everything we do. It's a shared ownership. People want to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. And when they do feel like their opinions matter, they are truly heard, but they are dealt with like grown men. There's a mutual respect that exists between our players and coaches. And this is something that we heard from Zach Taylor today as well, talking about players will want to work for you when you can show them that you can make them better, when you treat them with respect. Like these are themes that I think are coming through. And this is maybe more, I mean, we're going to get the McVay offense to some degree, but maybe more importantly, we're going to get a modern attitude of dealing with modern players. And this is something else. If you check out uh, Cincinnati Enquirer, they had a cool interview with McVeigh five minutes after the press conference where Paul Doherty asked him about being young and relating with players. And Taylor mentioned, uh, you know, he's also a product of the social media era. So, Joe, what do you think about positivity in football? I'm going to be the other side for a, sp- for a split second and be that, you know, 45 and up guy that's listening to this podcast right now and says, positivity in football. There's none of that. You know, you, you, you we're used to coaches yelling and screaming, and if you don't get it right, get your ass kicked and get back out there and fix it. And there's no there's no hugs, and, 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 you know, until you win, right? So I think a lot of people will hear that and be put off by it. And then you remember, well, Joe Mixon was 20 years old as a rookie. You know, these guys, these guys are young. They're a lot of people that are Bengals fans or football fans in general. These are your kids' age, maybe even your grandkids' age. It's a different era. It's different. You know, we, as, you know, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not that young anymore at 32, but I understand what he means there and what you mean when um, you need to be treated almost as an equal or you as if you have a hand in the direction of this company at whatever job you work at. Uh, and when you do, you, you will invest more yourself. And I think that's what he's speaking to. Uh, and I think it works. And most of these players are going to be young and hopefully respond to it. And when you look at the Rams, even old Andrew Whitworth bought into it, and and it wasn't a problem for him. So um, I think that's nothing but a positive thing to look at here. I really liked that he talked about that, and and I bet a lot of players that's going to resonate with them and get their ears to perk up a little bit. Yeah, and and to be clear, it's not just hugs, hugs, rah, rah, nobody has ever making a mistake, right? He's holding people accountable. Right. And he's just – you know that he's he's also rewarding rewarding the good so that that to me that's a that's a new attitude that i'd appreciate and and i think is is just the way the world is going in all workplaces it's just a modern feature of of managing young men uh coming up after the break we'll hear from sean mcveigh on the offense we'll find out if andy dalton is a quarterback for him and just How much of that L.A. offense are we going to have? Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? 
No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with my bookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to a 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different, and that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. And we're back on the Lockdown Bengals podcast with Joe Goodberry and Jake Liskow. Before we get to the defense, and I know a lot of people want to talk about it, um, the other probably major and and big chip of this entire process is quarterback, and it is with every team, but it's also very true for the Bengals. And how does Zach Taylor feel about Andy Dalton? I think within days of hearing Duke Tobin and essentially the Bengals organization back Dalton as their guy and their quarterback, which I think we should expect them to say. I don't think any organization, even if you were um, having one eye on the future, would even say anything otherwise uh, of your franchise quarterback. So we've got Zach Taylor speaking on, on Dalton, which I think he was very honest and open about, and at the same time also backed his quarterback. I have a high opinion of Andy Dalton. Um, going back to 2010, I think I watched every single snap he played at TCU his senior year when I was at Texas A&M. You know, that was an offense I, I really admired, and um, he executed it flawlessly, to be quite honest with you. And so I've been familiar with him He's from Katy, Texas. You know, I was in Texas for four years, so I know all about his background and um, probably never pictured that I was going to coach him, but very fortunate that he's the quarterback here and excited to work with him. I think he's a great fit for what we're going to do offensively. And I have to say, I agree with everything Taylor says. I, I think a lot of people will say um, that I can be negative about Andy Dalton. And I think that's fair. But at the same time, if I was a new coach, I would look at the Bengals opportunity and say, you have a veteran quarterback that I feel is intelligent. I can bring a new system in uh, and, and one that probably fits him a lot, looking at the Rams with Jared Goff and feel confident that he could execute what we're asking him to do. And I would feel confident with that, especially with a lot of pre-snap reads. I think that's Andy Dalton's strength. I think keeping the offense on time, getting it to the correct player is big for any offensive guy. Uh, and it's something 
that maybe we take for granted sometimes, but it's those are three of the major attributes that makes a quarterback great. Um, at the same time, I do think you can say all of those things and still be open to the possibility of not only drafting a quarterback, signing a quarterback, but adding to that room in an effort to continuously upgrade it. Uh, even if Andy Dalton get, has some of his best years under Taylor, I think that doesn't mean we should uh, forego the quarterback position completely and and not talk about it during draft season because the Bengals have made that mistake in the past and said, well, we don't need a quarterback. All we need is maybe a speed receiver, and we'll take John Ross over looking at Mahomes and Watson. And it was very clear that draft year when they said, uh, I believe the quote was, we're interested in every position at nine except for quarterback. And to me, that's a huge red flag and something you never want to hear. So while Taylor was very positive in, in embracing of Dalton as his quarterback, I still think if you're one of the people that would like to see the Bengals take a chance and potentially upgrade at that position, I don't think this kills you. I don't think this sets you back to the point of, well, great, Dalton's going to be here the next six years. He still has an expiring contract in two years, one that will demand a lot of money. And I think that still stays on the horizon. That clock is still ticking, and decisions will still need to be made, if not this offseason, next offseason. And I think that's the time window you're looking at. I, I don't think we're going to have a new starting quarterback in Cincinnati in 2019. There was all the speculation that it was going to be Ryan Tannehill. I think that this puts a lot of that to bed unless the Cincinnati Bengals get blown away with the trade offer for Andy Dalton. You know, it's it's you, you see a lot of people talking about Jared Goff in the last couple of days as a system quarterback. You know, he's just out there executing the McVeigh system and you know maybe Goff isn't actually a special player and I think that that's a little misguided but as with all those things there's a, a grain of truth and Andy Dalton is a smart quarterback this is feedback we've heard around the league about Andy Dalton for years he's generally known to be a very good pre-snap quarterback and we all know that Andy Dalton isn't a perfect player but when you come in with a system, he's had he's had so many different systems lately. You hear AJ Green talk about Zach Taylor's hire, and he's thinking about going back to a offense that was a lot more like what they ran under John Gruden, Jay Gruden. And and AJ's excited because he says, you know, I have my best years under Jay Gruden, and he's been hurt through the last five years battling injuries. But all that said, it's nice to hear AJ Green being excited about maybe getting back to some of his best numbers. So. Is is Dalton the guy? Well, I think he's the guy for at least this year, uh, and we'll see we'll see how he does with the uh, with Zach Taylor's system. And speaking of that system, I was waiting for this question during the press conference the entire time, and finally, I don't know who asked it. I want to say it was Dave Lapham, but um, I'm not quite sure. It's hard to hear sometimes. But he asked, "How much of that Rams offense will be coming to Cincinnati?" And here's what Taylor had to say. Well, it works. I think we can all agree. So uh, it would be silly to, to not have that as the basis of, of what we do on offense. And um, But, you know, I think it is important to bring in other coaches from other organizations that have different influences and have different backgrounds. And so we can make this the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Um, but, yeah, that was a prolific offense that we were part of this year. And so I think it would be silly to, to scrap that to the side. And, and uh, so that will be a big part of what we do. So Zach Taylor says that's going to be a big part of what we do. 
A big part of what the L.A. Rams did on their way to being one of the best offenses in the league is coming to Cincinnati with Zach Taylor, who will be calling the plays, we learned today, as we expected. But he's going to be calling the plays for Andy Dalton. He's going to be bringing a lot of that offense to Cincinnati with him. So, Joe, we know it's going to be a West Coast kind of deal, but what are we what are we going to expect? Yeah, and the Rams have had a very, very good offense for the last two years. Uh, one of the, the revolutionary things that I think a lot of people – um, didn't realize what was going on was that McVeigh was talking to Goff at the line of scrimmage. You can communicate through the headset up until 15 seconds left on the play clock. So they would quickly get out of the huddle into the line of scrimmage with, you know, it'd be 20 and 20 seconds and some change. Uh, and McVeigh could say, well, we got, you know, a single high safety or split coverage, look for this blitzer real quick. And then they'd be out of there. Uh, so it gave Goff a lot of advantages. And I think McVeigh has talked about how, the more that he grew with Goff and got more comfortable, they didn't have to do that as much because Goff was catching up to the point where he already knew. You know, he saw it as, as quickly as McVeigh was. Uh, but I I think that's great, and I think that just that idea that you can do that would be something I'd love to see with, with Dalton and Taylor. But also, what does it mean personnel-wise? What does it mean – what are their staples? And they're a 11 personnel – we mentioned this yesterday. They're an 11 personnel base offense. It means three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back. They're going to run a lot of outside zone, and I think that's part of the reason why uh, Brian Callahan was was recruited to come in as the, the, the offensive coordinator because he's got that background in him, the Shanahan background also, where they're going to run a lot of outside zone, play action. They're going to move their quarterback around also. Normally, like an athletic guy with a strong arm to make some of these throws – you can make do without it, uh, and as we can see with Goff, he's maybe average to above average in the arm strength area. But um, so you're going to see a lot of jet motion and jet sweep action behind the line of scrimmage with a wide receiver on almost half of their runs. You're going to see this, and the idea with that is to get the backside. So say that we're running it to the right, you're going to have that receiver from the slot. Their cooks, let's say, come and do a jet motion. It'll be our John Ross for the Bengals. So jet motion coming behind the, the running back as or sometimes in shotgun right in front of the quarterback as the ball is snapped. So you're going to do that because you're going to keep the left side now. So we're running to the right. <clears throat> well, at least the play the play action is going that way. So left side now, which is the right defensive end and maybe that outside linebacker on that side, are going to hesitate and pause and read that jet sweeping wide receiver coming over. And what that's going to do is it's cre- going to create a cutback lane for the running backs. Now, as the run blocking starts to take off to the right, you'll end up with a cutback lane to the left, one cut, and Gurley is is off to the races or at least full speed into the second level. That's going to be Joe Mixon. I love that, and I love the pairing of those talents that I think are very similar uh, between those. I actually compared Mixon to to Gurley after this this second year. They have very similar numbers when Mixon was under Lewis, when Gurley was under uh, Jeff Fisher and the explosion we saw afterwards of how he opened it up and getting him in the passing game, I think would be huge to reach in Joe Mixon's full potential. But besides that, you're going to see a lot. Those receivers are going to be condensed to the formation. What I mean is normally you think of outside receivers are going to be out towards the numbers. You're going to have a slot guy inside. That slot guy is the one going to get the the free releases and the two-way goes. And, and the coverage is generally softer for those guys. In the condensed formations, what you're going to see is those outside receivers are now going to be much closer. That slot receiver is going to be much closer to the line. He's going to be almost in a, in a just off the tight the tight end a little bit. What that does is it 
backs the corners up on the defense and plays them to the outside now. So now you have free releases and inside leverage if for receivers. So you're going to have a lot of crossing routes versus man coverage. It's going to chew it up. It really helps the receivers. It makes all three of them almost slot guys because it gives them the same benefits. And I think if you bring that in plus the play action, and here I'm describing all these passing game you know, benefits that the Rams got, but they were a heavy run team and almost half of their throws were off play action in a lot of games that I watch, especially. And you're going to get a lot of easy throws for the quarterback if you're going to do that and you're going to get a lot of opportunities to run after the catch and to take shots downfield. And I think if you're a fan of football and you watch the Rams this year, that gets you excited. And I'm definitely thinking of the Bengals personnel in that this offense could have success as easily as next year if this offense is very similar to what the Rams are running. And that's what we hope for. There is a bit of a blueprint out there to stop it. We saw the Patriots do it just a couple days ago. Put five men on the line of scrimmage, take away the middle of the field, and you're going to have to adjust. And we'll see if uh, Zach Taylor can do that in Cincinnati now that he's maybe learned a lesson from that Super Bowl. After the break, we'll talk about defense. We've been talking about offense for the better part of two days now, and we still don't really know what we're going to get on that side of the ball. Does Zach Taylor find out coming up after the break? Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get into industries, like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. So we've been talking about this for weeks as Bengals fans too. Zach Taylor isn't the coach yet. We don't know who the defensive coordinator is going to be. John Gruden linked the offensive coordinator news. We still don't know who the defensive coordinator is going to be. We thought it was going to be Jack Del Rio. I think Joe and I would have been relatively pleased with Jack Del Rio Reports today say Del Rio's out. Reports yesterday say Dom Capers might be in. We've had reports that it might be John Fox. These are all established guys. This is something that we knew we were going to be looking at for defensive coordinator. What did Zach Taylor say in his press conference today? Let's take a listen. I don't want to get too much into the defense because um, each guy brings something a little bit different. And so you never really want to pigeonhole yourself on something but um, a sound teacher who buys into the way that that we want to build this culture man is a great communicator and um, you know gets the most out of his players because we got talent on that side of the ball and so 
guys that let these guys play and understand what they do best. And I, I feel very comfortable that we're going to find the right person to lead that defense. So Zach Taylor saying the right things, um, not being very direct on what type of scheme he'd like to run or guy, you know, what kind of scheme he'd like his new guy to come in with. And I think that makes sense. You know, if you're probably going to interview people after Jack Del Rio turned down the job and be open to it. I think there was another interview after his, his press conference. One of the beat writers uh, said he's not married to the four, three defense. And it got, got a lot of attention on Twitter for people talking of, you know, does that matter? Um, should we want a four, three because of the personnel and what the Bengals have run? Should some of the guys that they brought in, I mean, Del Rio has run some three, four stuff with the, with the Broncos and with the Raiders. Uh, also, uh, Dom Capers has run three, four stuff. And mostly it comes down to, for me, is I don't know that the 3-4 and the 4-3 matters as much, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But when I look at these candidates, and now it may be down to John Fox and Dom Capers, I I lean towards Fox because I feel like Capers' recent history has not been very good with the Packers. Uh, They were very frustrated with him, a lot of writers and fans and analysts of the Packers were, were frustrated with Capers. And I don't want to bring that on, even though, you know, it. when you have that much success in the NFL and you've, you've been around a long time, you're going to have struggles and differences in, in times where you don't look like a really good coach. And then the truth is you probably are and you can rebound. So I wouldn't be completely against it, especially with someone with that much experience. That is something I, I did want. And I don't feel like John Fox has ever been a tremendous uh, defensive coach. He's just been good enough for a long time. So as one of the final hires in this coaching cycle, Zach Taylor doesn't have a lot of pick, lot to pick from unless you want to say, you know, where's Rex, what's Rex Ryan doing? Maybe you can go into the college ranks and grab Brent Venables from Clemson. I think that sounds great. But both of those seem more like uh, wishful thinking. And I don't know where Rex is at this point in his career either. It kind of feels he's similar to the Dom Capers effect of recency bias um, with their recent defenses. So Jake, I don't know how you feel about this. We'll get into the three, four, four, three discussion a little bit more, but I just wanted to give it off to you to see how you feel about the current candidates. Right. And, and I'm with you. It doesn't matter to me who it ends up being, because as we're going to get into, I think with the 34, 43 discussion, it doesn't really matter so much what scheme you run anymore if you're using your players the right way. And the thing for me is the way Zach Taylor talked about what coaches he wanted is he wanted guys that are forward thinking, thinking outside of the box, great communicators, right? People that are going to buy into his vision. And if he finds a guy that he feels good about, despite the offensive line coach that we've seen in reports today, I want to believe in Zach Taylor's vision and I want to believe in his attitude and his management style and his leadership. And if he finds a guy that drives with that, then I think the X's and O's will fall, X's and O's will fall into place. And speaking of X's and O's, Joe, there aren't really too many practical differences between most 34 and 43 fronts anymore, considering how much teams were in nickel. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. I I think the last year's numbers were 54% for nickel packages around the league and in the 30% for your base 4-3 or 3-4. Uh, the nickel package is your base defense now, and you'll hear coaches talk about and personnel people talk about building your defense from the nickel first. So when fans get worried about 3-4 or 4-3, to me that's worrying about who your number two tight end or your fullback is because it's really not a big deal anymore. The best 
defenses are still uh, maybe a hybrid defense, and it's not so much that they have to have big, long defensive ends or um, pass rushing defensive tackles or linebackers that are this, play this role, middle, Mike, Sam. You know, I think the best defenses are a little more fluid with their front six. And you look like the the Ravens or even the Chargers into the playoffs and the Super Bowl with the Patriots. Patriots and Rams both use the safety at linebacker. So you're almost turning into a dime defense at that point. Uh, but for the Bengals, you look at it and you say, well, who are the staples on the defense? And I would say it's Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. I would say both guys fit better in an even front, which are four defensive linemen. And now I mean that in in thinking of nickel first. So when I say this, I'm thinking five defensive backs. Okay, so that's five of your 11 players. The other six, you figure out. You need coverage linebackers, so you need two cover guys. It can One of them can be a safety. We see that all the time. The two Super Bowl teams last year, Eagles and Patriots, both use the safety at linebacker, and Malcolm Jenkins and Patrick Chung. Um, so the the real key here is what do you do with your four pass rushers? Even if you are a 3-4 base team, let's take the Chiefs, for example. Their nickel defense, their edge guys, those outside linebackers, D Ford and Justin Houston, are defensive ends. They're playing defensive end more than any other position. Vaughn Miller is listed as a linebacker with the with the Denver Broncos. For all intents and purposes, he is a defensive end. He is an edge player. He is a pass rusher, and that's what he's going to do 95% of the time, if not more, because why would you have him do anything else? Because he's so good at it. So it really doesn't come down to, well, Carl Lawson would be better in a 3-4 was a comment I got today. And I thought, no, he wouldn't, because he's still going to be playing most of his time in four defensive linemen down pass rushing as a right defensive end, and that's what he'll do. So it really doesn't matter what you're going to do for the other 30% of the game. When the, the game's on the line, it's one and loss right now with the passing game in your nickel defense. Now, I'm not trying to devalue the base defense. I think the guy we want is going to be, like Taylor says, the forward-thinking, the multiple guy, the guy that's willing to adjust based on your opponent. The, the Look at the Patriots as the greatest example. They're a man team all year. They see that the, the Rams struggled versus zone. What they do? They start playing zone. And for one game, you have to be willing to do it, and they did it, and they shut them down the three points. So really, it, for me, 3-4-4-3, three, four, four, three, overblown. Who's your four best rushers? Let them rush. Who are your six best cover guys? Let them cover, and then you got a linebacker, and you go from there. And that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and I was just going to say, if we're talking about scheme is important, we talked just yesterday about how important it is to be able to adapt and how good the Patriots have been for so long by changing what they do on a week-to-week basis. Uh, maybe a segue for a future show, Joe. KJ Wright's a free agent. He's a Sam linebacker, though, and you have to wonder what's the value of a Sam backer. I would have to look into him more. Um, this is me thinking in the past a little bit, you know, I've taken five years ago when I really liked KJ Wright coming out and does he play in their nickel package? That's what it's going to come down to, right? You're going to Anthony Barr. He's another one. And you're going to say, well, what is he? Is he a Sam four, three, three, four linebacker that doesn't play in their coverage team? Cause if that's the case, then he's not worth it. I talked about this. The Bengals have done this for years with, with signing free agent linebackers, AJ Hawk, James Harrison, um, who's the guy this year, Preston Brown, are they nickel linebackers? If they're not, they're not worth it, and that's why they're not getting paid out there in free agency. So first and foremost, you have to question, 
do they play in the nickel package for their current team? And would they play or or would you want them to play for the Bengals? And if you can answer both of those that yes, then it's worth it. KJ Wright's the guy who pro football focus grades out pretty strong in coverage. Uh, he's he's had some How many snaps? Years. Uh, let's see here. He's in from 2014 to 2017, 500 to 600 snaps in coverage. Right. So, so he's, he's out there. In the he nickel. is out there in nickel. Yep. So, yeah, then I would say yes. Then he is one of the guys you would like. He's a pretty solid tackler for the most part. His tackling grade is is he was top of the top tier tackling in 2015, 2016. He's had a couple of kind of let down years here. 2017, he was hurt. 2018 for most of the year, but he's never really put a bad season on the books. Just a name that I thought I'd throw out there. Not something yeah, and- we're gonna get into today. No, but that's definitely, about. yeah, as we get closer to free agency, we plan on doing this for listeners, you know, future shows. We may just look at free agent linebackers one day and just talk about, you know, six or so of them and bring up what pro football focus stats. I'll watch some film on them and tell, and tell you what I saw. So that's definitely, you know, something you can expect in the next coming months. That's right. Uh, another thing to expect is a Friday mailbag. So get your questions into us at Lockdown Bengals, or you can tweet Joe or I on our individual accounts at Joe Goodberry or at Jake underscore NFL. Joe, any closing remarks for this week? Uh, the excitement I felt with Taylor um, was hindered a little bit with the O-line coach, but at the same time, we'll move on. And, you know, how often does an O-line coach really impact your team? Well, the Patriots have the best in the league, and he looks really good. So now I'm getting depressed again. Thanks, Jake. No, that's my closing thoughts for today, and we'll pick it up tomorrow. And pick it up tomorrow, we well, Bengals fans. Tune in for more discussion about the Zach Taylor era. Get us your questions for Friday. We'll see you next time on Lockdown Bengals. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.